yeah, it's been a week, you know, since the inauguration. And so it's been kind of crazy. So, but I'm not sure. I think just the uh, executive orders, they just plan them to be like, this week we'll sign these three executive orders. And then tomorrow we're going to sign these three. And then, so it's been a week of just I, bam, bam, bam. I think it's that shock and awe idea, but yeah. it makes it really hard to see any other news. So um, it's just right. been kind of a, whoa, news, whoa, news, whoa, news. And my friends are fighting about it. <laughs> kind of week, so like everyone's fighting about it. Yes. Yeah, not just, just my friends. You're right. Yeah, it's well, I'm not saying like all oh, your friends are the only ones fighting, but no, uh, but <laughs> like thanks. I mean other friends are fighting too. No, yes. uh, <laughs> we could fight about it. <laughs> we fight about friends fighting. Uh yeah, I just uh the one pan is like he's doing it, and then on the other hand, it's like he's doing what he promised he would do. So I just don't uh, it's a yeah, complicated it's place to be. He's yeah. doing it all through Twitter, so it's good, right? Wait. Oh, the the weirdest thing is this is probably tech news. Is that uh, uh, I woke up one morning um, and I saw like uh, Donald, uh, our new president, had tweeted, "You know, if Mexico doesn't want to come and talk about the wall, then I think we should cancel the meeting." I was like, "Well, that's not going to be good." <laughs> <laughs> and then within an hour, you know, I like have all these news alerts, like you know, because I'm, I'm a news junkie, and right. so they're just like flaring up as like. Donald doesn't think we're having a meeting with Mexico. Uh, I was like, oh, crud. And then, like, by the end of the day, like, Mexico is not going to meet with us. Uh, well, now they're <laughs> apparently going to have an hour long phone call, which I guess is different than <laughs> tweeting at each other. Yeah. Um, I think it was Dave Pell at Next Draft who said that uh, he, he keeps hoping this is a dream and he wakes up to find out that it was all a plot to make Twitter survive. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think. See. Yeah, that's like the weirdest thing, is right? Like, the Trump campaign was going to pay like $5 million at Twitter. Right. And they said no at the last minute, sort of like custom maybe, emoji or something. Yeah. Right? Custom emoji. Cause uh, it's during the debates and uh, they wanted a, a crooked Hillary uh, emoji or whatever. And they said no, but the most famous Twitter user and the most powerful Twitter user is someone I don't think they want to establish their brand you know, I, further. You know? I remember, you know, when they first launched and everybody was like tweeting about party buses at South by Southwest and yeah. what a different conversation <laughs> that was. So, um, yeah, I just, um, I'm not sure they know how we got here either. And yeah, I, I think all of social media has a lot of figuring out to do. Yeah. I think they had a lot of it to do anyway. Right. It's just that now they get to figure it out in an insanely polarized uh Everything matters more than they thought it would when they started kind of environment. Right. Well, like so. what do you mean by like having to figure things out? Like like in terms of like bullying or well, like the that's name part bullying? of it. I mean the the abuse issues are, are big, but right. some of it is honestly like what do they want to be when they grow up? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when they when we first got into social media, it was like this wow, man, we can just talk with our friends and share information. We won't really yeah. need newspapers anymore and we won't need this. And, <laughs> you know, then we get into all the conversations about bubbles and fake mm -hmm. news. And if yeah. I saw it on Facebook, does that mean it's real? Well, no, really it doesn't. Um, yeah. And like originally, like I was talking about with Twitter and those party buses, you know, it was just kind of a way of like saying, hey, I'm here, I'm doing this, this is right. cool. Mm -hmm. But over time it's become like the venue like I think they thought they were building like a, a little bar and disco kind of place and it turned into the Coliseum and mm. it's just kind of like, okay, is that really what we meant? Right. Um, it's, it's, it's not utility. It's a venue, right? You would say 
It is more like a venue. And I, I wish it was more like a utility, but I wish lots of things were like utilities. So yeah. it just doesn't doesn't happen that way. So Yeah. All right. So I guess we should get started. Sure. <laughs> so Hello, Spacers. From Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt, and on today's show, we cover this week's tech topics with friend of the show, Simon St. Laurent, content manager for front-end web and web standards at lynda.com. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T, where I try to be funny in spite of my many, many ill-timed typos, which I believe are also funny. CSS DevConf 2017, it's a CSS conference, but we also talk about JavaScript, SAS, design systems, and all that good stuff, is in New Orleans this October. Early bird tickets, the cheapest they'll ever be, are on sale right now. There's a limited supply. Uh, Check it out at cssdevconf.com. Also, the Virtual Scalable Vector Graphics Conference, the SVG Summit, Yes, take place online. It's virtual. This February 15th, uh, we have Chris Coyer, Sarah Drasner. Uh, and this is a lot of great uh, topics and great speakers. So definitely check it out. Check it out. Uh, take 20% off with code NONBREAKINGSPACESHOW when you register. Also, you can get a weekly newsletter uh, of UX tips and articles and tools at uxdesignnewsletter.com. It's a list that's uh, curated by me, and I just uh, take kind of the best of the links that are out there, and I send to you every Monday morning. So, again, that's uxdesignnewsletter.com. Also, you can set it and forget it with the non-breaking space show newsletter. So, whenever a new show goes out, you'll be notified in your inbox. When so, it's really great. So, we don't have to worry about uh, iTunes or not. Uh, just go to newsletter. Nonbreakingspace.tv. Also, you can find show notes and links discussed in today's episode with Simon at nonbreakingspace.tv. If you could, uh, please tell a friend about the show and point them to the Nonbreaking Space show on iTunes. That help us out. That will help us out immensely. Now, on with the show. Welcome to uh, Nonbreaking Space again, Simon. Thank you. Yeah, definitely happy. And uh, I'm sorry, said your your job title is content, content manager manager at LinkedIn Linda. Learning Linda. Linda.com. I'm now a Microsoft employee. It's all okay. really hard to explain, but it's right. good. Right. Um, so yes, LinkedIn bought Linda. Microsoft bought LinkedIn. The stuff mm-hmm. I work on looks a lot like Linda. So okay, there you go. Awesome. Well, yeah, and uh, we do what we usually do here is just talk about uh, the top tech news. Countdown uh, for the week or month that we've you know we we usually catch up every month or so just to see what's going on, but we usually just take a look back at the week. And so, number eight, are droids. One of my favorite stories mm-hmm. is Twitter is made of bots. Uh, you know, we just talked about Twitter, uh, but uh, but apparently there's like. I was it over three hundred thousand bots uh, talking about Star Wars? They're just quoting, like not even Star Wars movies. They're quoting uh, e- like books. I think they're probably eBooks. They probably just got them. 
ebooks. So they're quoting uh, books and they're just, and they're not even good quotes, right? They're just like mm -hmm. randomly picking out sentences and they're just like, say, okay, you, you give me to the real, give me to the bot. And the bot would just like, okay, here's this line. And it doesn't, it doesn't even like try to cut and find the best quote that, that fits into 140 characters. It just like, just gets all the text in there and whatever. And then it hashtags some random word in there. Right. It and the random word could be also the or in, right? Some prepositional phrase in there. It's like, oh, okay. That so, is trending. Yeah. And so the example they gave this report is actually a, a paper mm -hmm. that people in London uh, actually wrote. And uh, it's like Luke's answer was to put on an extra burst of speed. There are only 10 meters, hashtag, there are only 10 meters, hashtag, separating them now if he could ever tea right like, and that's another tea right there not, not tea as a right. drink but right <laughs> so that's the example of putting the vapor and i was like oh man this is not good for twitter at all so uh well I, I used to enjoy twitter bots i mean my favorite was always the joe mccarthy red scare bot that would come up with any time <laughs> anybody mentioned like communism or marx oh. or anything you'd get a nice scolding from a bot right um that one didn't make any sense but it made a lot more sense than this yeah um, I, you know, some of the things that I've seen and kind of liked are like some of the crazy Markov chain things that like take various people's phrasings and kind of respin them together. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a bot, oh, it was been a long time ago. There was a bot that would like randomly choose someone, take their last three tweets, pull words out of them and create this insane mash and send it at them. Yeah. Um, it was just like familiar enough to be really, really confusing. But at that point, it didn't have any understanding of grammar. So we were kind of like, okay, it's a bot. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I partly wonder why, what, what drives people to do this? Like the Horse Epubs account and then became Horse JS. I mean, it, it does have its own like surrealist magic. Mm -hmm. But the number of them, I, I just, I, what why how <laughs> well, well my, my thing like i didn't it is it, you know to be totally correct i mean to say like they, they don't specifically say this in there but and so i might be just projecting uh my own like twitter issues with it but i feel like they were just create all these bots fill them with content because each of these bots are, are star wars bots mm -hmm. they have less than 12 tweets each right and i feel like they're just being used for uh like the underground market of buying friends like so, you you pay like right. you know fifty bucks or whatever, and so they were just you know, um, so you have like three hundred fifty thousand bots, like, and someone just comes and say, hey, you know, I want a million, I mean, like not a million, but like you no, know, hundred thousand followers overnight, and just like okay, give me a hundred bucks, right? And so, but because uh, like everyone with these bots has uh, at least eleven followers, and then they have like thirty two friends, so right, you know, it's set it, up as a network. Yeah, yeah. There is also kind of a market for slightly used Twitter accounts, apparently. Oh, really? Um, that really? Yeah, for I, I guess it's for the uh, advanced troll who doesn't want to appear as the egg with zero tweets. Okay. Um, you know, at least it makes it look like somebody was doing something. Okay. Um, and I know that there are tools out there that are, you know, checking this person who's randomly tweeting at me, have they ever tweeted before? Or do they have a lot of followers? So maybe it's just to get over those kinds of gates. Yeah. Um, but there is something... I don't know. There's something wackier going on here. And I, you know, whatever the motivations are, the, the results are really weird. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, oh, the, 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 uh, the one that the one factoid about these Twitter bots, like the last one we'll, we'll mention is that uh, each of these Star Wars bots mm -hmm. is marked. Cause when, you, when you're on Twitter, right. You just say like, Hey, 
uh, if you're using like a Twitbot app, which I use, I love Twitbot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my tweets go out and say like, hey, I use the Twit Twitbot app on my iOS or Amazon on Mac or whatever else said that. So each of these tweet pods is on, uh, says it's from Twitter on Windows phone. Okay then. <laughs> yeah. And so they did, so they found like 350,000, 350,000 uh, Star Wars bots. And they said they took a random sample of like 6 million bots. Mm-hmm. And they did, did some like, and then they broke down like <clears throat> what apps they say that they're, they're coming from. Excuse me for the cough there. But, uh, and only 0.02% came from Twitter on Windows for a phone, Windows phone. So okay. there's a big disparity there. <laughs> I had a I had a wonderful moment there of imagining Luke on a land speeder looking at his Windows phone and like, <laughs> trying to find Twitter on it. But yes. That'd be awesome. And then of course he like everyone uses Zune as well. And uh, well, course, yes, clearly. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, next next one. This is a, your your story. Number seven. Yeah. Data shield down? Is that- yeah, so this is kind of an odd one. This is probably what I get for spending too much time in Germany. Okay. But um, there's been a lot of back and forth between the U.S. and Europe on privacy issues. Yeah. And the U.S. basically, like, U.S. companies jumped into, hey, we can collect everybody's data. It'll all be fine. Trust yeah. us. It'll be good. And this doesn't really go well with the European um, approach to, to privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Yeah, just the, the the right to be forgotten is part of it. The right. like people blocking Google Maps from taking maps of their neighborhood, pictures of their neighborhood, that kind of thing. So, so um, yeah, so right to be for, forgotten is in case anyone wants to know is that if you, uh, I think there's a story is about these two people who uh, I think they were brothers maybe or whatever. They were, you know, rightfully convicted, I believe, for a crime. They served their time, mm-hmm. but they just wanted to be left alone, right? And so. And they has court case like because their court case where they actually get to Wikipedia or to the news outlets and for archival like you know you have all these murder cases or ghost stories if you will like or like uh, you know in America and they get written up over and over and over over again and have stories and whatnot so it's hard for someone to for, to forget uh, you know to be left alone right about these stories. And, and- this creates all kinds of wacky cases that Americans are fond of pointing out. And then Europeans point out cases where it might actually matter. And we just kind of go back and forth, but legally this became a really big deal because for a while the Europeans were like, well, they say, trust us. Okay. We can, we can do that. And then this whole Snowden thing happened and it was clear that um, data from Europeans might be getting used in ways that um, they weren't really happy about in the U S and the joy of this isn't like the the conspiracy theories, the uh, this you know is the NSA you know really interested in my information about the lunch I had yesterday because they probably aren't. But you know it triggers all kinds of questions about you know where should data be stored, how should data be mixed, um, even if it's not medical records, financial records are a really huge deal. Um, there are, you know, all kinds of harm you can do to somebody when you have their financial data and should it be stored, should it be stored in another country, that kind of thing. So they finally negotiated this thing uh, last year. Anyway, um, so it created all kinds of uh, joys for companies trying to do business across across international lines. And they, they finally negotiated a deal kind of in the middle of last year. And one of the like, pieces of this week's executive orders that was really only noticed by data geeks was one thing that uh, 
basically denied privacy rights uh, to non-U.S. citizens in, in these corners of U.S. law, which some people think means that, that entire agreement will be vanishing very quickly. Oh. And the business implications of that are really complicated and really weird. And um, it's just something to keep an eye on because it's sort of that like business collides with technology expectations and mm. technology may be the one that gets reshaped. Um, I think, you know, companies, companies will be able to deal with it. They're going to have to set up like data centers at a lot more places than they expected to. Uh, when they're large. I think small companies may just say, uh, no, we're just going to not try to cross international borders. You can read our stuff, but that's it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those like minor, one of those minor seeming political things that might really change the the whole way we do business on the internet and the whole mm -hmm. way we talk. So, so was this, uh, you know, the, when the executive orders where he, our, our president uh, decided yes. to, uh, uh, put a halt on immigration. Is that what it is? Or is it was just, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like that and it, it tripped up this issue. It's paragraph was, nine of, uh, I want to say it was actually about trade more than it was about immigration, but okay. I could be misremembering the document because there were too many of them this week. Okay. I was just wondering if it's like an accidental slip up or like, like that's, or was it just a, yes, we're doing this type of thing. I don't think anybody knows. I think that's the joy of this week. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think what I'm suggesting is people should just pay attention to this because right. I suspect, you know, in all the discussion of different trade deals and all of these other things, like this was one of the few pieces that actually seemed kind of settled, right. and and maybe it's not. And right. uh, you know, if I'm the lucky person trying to decide where the data centers go, right. my job just got a lot harder. On the other hand, this probably creates jobs. Just <laughs> you know, in more other complexity places. creates jobs. Yes. That's great. Yes. So, but yeah, um, I think uh, I read one article on Facebook, though, give it what you will, right. in terms of uh, 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 being true or not, was that uh, some of the executive orders were written in such a way that they might not be legal because they contradict each other. Yeah. Uh, and self in the same document. And so, uh, and so I think if no matter what party you're at, you're like left or right or, or whatnot or spectrum, I think we should definitely have like, the executive branch should have just like a day of just like, this is how you write executive order. <laughs> just <laughs> well, like a little seminar, you know, just tell you how you write it, you know. To be fair, it's not a skill that a lot of people need. Right, yeah. But um, yes, that's a really good point. Um, That'd be cool, like if your boss all of a sudden just like gives you like memos as executive orders, official signing executive orders, or maybe not. I, I could suggest it, but I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the other thing is, it just is going to take time, even in the best case, even if this is a completely clearly written out thing. Yeah. Like, it's not clear what removing that agreement would do. Mm -hmm. And so, as with a lot of these things, you can say something now, we can see if it takes effect, and even if it does take effect, mm -hmm. it might be a year or two before we really know what it means. Yeah, it just sounds like we have to like, wait for the it to shake out over the year. So. Yeah, this is this is just a weird corner that I kept crashing into at conferences with people, and I, I like front end conferences, not CSS DevComp actually, but like everything else I went to, people would end up in these strange like data ownership questions, and yeah, I kept wondering how. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that like we we're talking about. Too. Like we don't, for humans, we don't have uh, store people's data yet, but uh, you know, but if we were to do something like a subscription model or like where would you, mm -hmm. where would we keep the data? And that's always a big, cause we do have an international clientele. And it's like, 
Yes, so absolutely. That's, that's like one of the things we, we worry about is, okay, like you know, right. security and an issue with that. So, but yeah, that's definitely, I can see people right. trying to solve that nut. So, yeah, and it can get exciting. I mean, even things like viewing history or reading history, mm-hmm. um, you know, these are things we don't really think about when we're looking at the web, but if you're collecting that information, that suddenly seems relevant. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, next story. Number six. I thought it was an interesting story, and it's it's a kind of an old story too. But it was uh, it's called Dark UX: Dirty Tricks and Tactics mm-hmm. to Avoid in 2017. And uh, everything was it's pretty much uh, don't be uh, don't be uh, an idiot on the web. Well, two users is pretty. Don't be an idiot on the web is what we like to say, but then people keep finding ways to make money being idiots on the web, and yeah. so it just keeps happening. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. But uh, but it's like the four things were. Uh, Force continuity, and this is the thing that uh, like everyone has a subscription. Everyone has a subscription model. I think uh, everyone's going to be famous for fifteen minutes, and have a side business that's subscription based. That's my corollary uh, <laughs> to that. And uh, so it. So the first part is uh, probably the one that I thought found was more, most interesting was the force continuity, and and in this article, mm-hmm. uh, which is from SitePoint, they they talk about. Uh, Providing an easy off-ramp after a trial membership has ended is basically the main point. And so if you sign for a trial membership and they need your credit card, whatever, they sign up or whatnot, or if you sign for Hulu or Netflix, right. whatever. So like be able to just be nice to say, hey, this is how you get off instead of auto-charging the credit card, which is like total anti-practice, right, for subscription models now these days. It's just like they, they want to get your credit card and they want you to like, you know, enjoy the the first taste is always free. But then right. the second month, you have to pay full price. So, Right. Yeah, this is a place where I was happy with my employer because when I was interviewing, of course, I signed up for the free trial and took a look around and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, even though the automated uh, messages I was getting didn't seem to know I'd become an employee or anything, it was actually like really easy to get out. And that was yeah. good. Um, I, I love subscription models in a lot of ways because, mm-hmm. you know, once you're in, you're kind of in and there are all of these cool things. Yeah. But... I also think back to like, I mean, even like the publishers clearing house sweepstakes, like somehow <laughs> subscription models have just always been a magnet for people yeah. who want like lots of free money that they don't have to do much to get. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder how far back in publishing this goes. I bet it goes back to the printing press. Um, it just, it seems like something we're always encouraging. And it's something that has this really clear return on investment that makes people say, yeah, that's great, yeah. even though they're darkness. Yeah, I mean, I just, like, you know, it's, it's something to actually keep on producing new content, but uh, it's also great to, I think it's a great thing for business, too, because, you know, instead of just selling new widgets all the time and mm-hmm. being a content creator, you know, it's it's tough because, uh, you know, and even it, it's, it's easier online than it is, I guess, to, for print newspapers, if you're, like, an example, or, or magazines, mm-hmm. like, you know, Newsweek went under and then another back, but they're European their own now. So it's kind of crazy. So it's, uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but I, I just don't see that ever ending where people, uh, not uh, to make it easier for people to get off a subscription. Yeah. The other yeah. classic was, of course, the fake subscription, fake unsubscription notices where people were really just harvesting information. Uh, that's different from collecting your credit card and then not letting you out. It's it's more about just like being able to spam you. But 
I just keep marveling at the number of, I don't know, like phishing just wasn't a thing when I first got into all of these computing things. And, um, and now even like legitimate operators seem to be setting up things that feel a lot like phishing to me. <laughs> like in what way? Um, an example. Actually, I probably shouldn't say legitimate operators. So <laughs> it's not really, it's not like I can point to big companies. It's, it's more like, um, well, like one example was I figured out that a lot of the spam I was getting came from my having signed up to a PR company's mailing list at some point. Right. And uh, it was weird because like I would try to uh, unsubscribe from these things. And basically every time I did, the unsubscribe would lead to a new uh, a new collection of people contacting me because I think they were buying the lists of people who would unsubscribe from another list because those were real addresses. Oh, that's right, because it was a positive that they were... Right, it was a positive fake. sign, and you had interacted with them, so in some strange theoretical ah, yeah, sense... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was a yeah. big beef. Like, for a while, like, you were told not to unsubscribe right. something that if you thought right. was fake, because then that would... yeah. Right, and now everything yeah. goes into junk mail filters, and that actually makes it kind of harder in the long run, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, we're, we're, good at, we're good at taking good ideas and just twisting them slightly wrong and then breaking them, so... Right. My favorite is that you unsubscribe and then it says like, it'll be 10 days before you're really out of our system. So yes. you might get mail. I'm like, what? All the time. All <laughs> the time. Uh, Although actually one of my favorites recently was there was a site that was sending me like promotional mail every day. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they asked you on the unsubscribe was, you know, would you prefer a lower frequency? And I was like, okay, that's actually a legitimate question. So I said, okay, you can mail me twice a week instead of seven times. We'll see if I, if I like that or not. So right. there, there are ways to do it. You don't have to be evil. Right. Yeah, but, there's, yeah I unsubscribed too. They, they, uh, but I didn't like the unsubscribe form when they did that because the bulk of the, of the page was uh, um, uh, adjusting the frequency. And then, it's like, and then the bottom part was like, or you can unsubscribe all together, but it was like right. really low at the bottom. This was like three buttons. One was I love it, mm -hmm. reduce it, get me out of here, and that was that was okay. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the other thing is, uh, I kind of related to that was that the unsubscribe links in email. That's uh, okay. I really want to I hate this email. Is that it's really hard to find because they uh, like uh, an example they used in the article was that they had, I actually pointed to Amazon. Their unsubscribe mm -hmm. link is a gray link over a gray background with a low, like low contrast. So it's hard to be able to find it. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so, and actually like, we were uh, accused of that at once, but it was like this honest mistake because we put a font color tag and we didn't close it properly. Oh. And so it was like white on white right. background. And so we're like, and they're like, we, we were, we were hated on Twitter for a day, apparently. So unlike Amazon, I don't think you A/B tested that a thousand times. So. <laughs> no, so, but uh, but yeah, so it's 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 you know that's one thing I don't like about that. And then, uh, or they use the words unsubscribe, but they don't really use the word unsubscribe. It's like right some word verbiage you have to hunt it back. And if so. you want to not unsubscribe, then don't click here. Then mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. If you want to unsubscribe and you hate puppies, click here. Like what? That's not, you know. I don't want to press that button. Um, and then uh, France spam. Uh, and this is just yes. bad. Yeah. So this is like one where like you connect. I think it's like you connect your Facebook account and then your the service will just goes through your friends and starts posting right. things on your behalf. And This is why I'm the jerk who never uses Facebook or Twitter to log into anything I can avoid logging into that way. Oh, really? So, 
Yeah, it means that I have a billion extra passwords and stuff, but <laughs> but yeah, I do that. I, I do, I guess I do use my Google login periodically, but that's yeah. about the only one I do. And since I'm not active on Google+, I guess everybody would be surprised if suddenly life happened. I guess nobody's really active on Google+, anymore, but you know. Yeah, naming Google. So there we go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's the one. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the Facebook login thing. I was probably too much. Well, it's a brilliant idea. It's just it's susceptible to this kind of wackiness. And yeah, definitely get that. Uh, okay, uh, next story. Number five. This is just kind of a general like the world is getting weird kind of problem. And it actually like we were just talking about Facebook and Facebook makes React and makes a bunch of other things and. I keep noticing, like, I, I found a whole thing today on, like, how React is moving from, like, 15.5 to 16. Uh, at one point last year, it went from 0 0.14 to 15.0. They flipped the numbers. Um, the Angular side is even wackier because they had this huge gap from 1 to 2. But now they're going to do this thing where they upgrade the major version number every six months. But the first jump has to be from 2 to 4, of course, because going from 2 to 3 would just be, like, too too simple and then um and you know like i it's not exactly like i grew up with version numbers i, I think i was thinking you know like in the windows age and the dos age there were there were version numbers and i kind of knew the major minor scheme and that kind of thing but right. a lot of times they just changed the name of the product and that was fine too um then we got into this like continuous deployment everything must be continuous and we're going to have all these things go and um Underneath, it turns out there's still all these like version numbers running around in the dark. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. And then you also posted something about hardware, and that like set off all of the weird, you know, like, well, anytime you want to upgrade the software, while well, the firmware on your hardware, you got to figure out seven layers of of different versioning and stuff. And uh, I don't want the world to slow down exactly. I don't I don't think we can make it do that. Um, I'm not even sure that we can like make everybody use the same model for naming and numbering stuff. Uh, but just somehow, like over the last six months, it seems like all of those little version numbers that were sort of hiding under the bed are like running around and playing in the light and and causing more headaches. Is that headaches? In terms of compatibility, you think? Or, yeah, or? I mean, some of the like some of the classic like JavaScript workflow headaches that appear are, uh, you know, you got your version X of npm something you pulled down three months ago in my peanut butter uh, code that depends on a different version of that library. And, oh yeah, that's right. Um, this has always been a problem. Um, I mean, like dealing with various Linux dependencies over the years just to make things behave. It's like, oh, that one upgraded, and that one expected wasn't expecting it. And um, you know, the, the magic of Debian was that they built this giant thing to keep track of all that. And, and everybody else does it, too. It's not just Debian and Ubuntu and stuff. Um, but those diagrams are getting larger and larger and larger. And I don't know. I just I feel like we kind of hit this, like, the top of the iceberg is big enough now that it's really, really visible, and I don't know what's down there. <laughs> kind of moment. So, like in terms of solving the problem, or yeah, I just I think it's going to be an exciting year. Well, the other thing last year was like the left pad thing, where the guy deleted the one thing off of npm, and all of this code failed because of the dependency. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, that's kind of the extreme case. This is, right. I think we're going to have a lot more of these kind of smaller bites and chunks. Um, I swear enterprise software developers spend amazing amounts of their time dealing with these kinds of things that they're building tools that then help them deal with these things. But then those tools have these kinds of things. And then it's, you know, the, the magic of infinite recursion in software or something. But yeah. we're just kind of reaching a break in a point. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a version control, like versioning software. I think, I don't know. It's going to be kind of crazy just trying to keep up with all that things. And so I think, uh, I think Dave Rupert talked about like, just uh, if you want to have an app built and you're, you're just pulling down all these like uh, solutions, you know, from the web and they need their own version of some script, but this other thing needs another version of the same script, but it's a different version upgraded. And so now like, so it's like when say what your one, this old solution has requires jQuery 1.8, but yep. the new one can work on jQuery 2. Point something, you know, whatever. But you have, so you have like two jQueries, sort of, but mm -hmm. not really, and so you're just stuck with it. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, we haven't. I mean, maybe there is some magic solution to this. I I, I don't see it coming. Um, a yeah. lot of it just has to do with what you call things, um, and I guess that's one of the hard things about programming. But what do you mean by calling? Just like the numbering or the the, na the numbering, the naming. Mm -hmm. um, the classic programming problem is what should you really call your variables? Um, yeah. I think we've migrated from IJKL, which were the classics, to, to something more descriptive. But everybody has a different idea of what that should mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you, do you mind if I threw a tangent in here? That you, we yeah. Plan about okay. this. But uh, you, you tweeted something today, or Facebook today, I'm not sure what it is, about the person complaining about, not complaining, but mentioning that uh, the web is about modules slash components oh, versus... Yes. Pages. I want to get your thoughts on that because uh, sure, if sure. You, if I can find that tweet. So I think actually some of the stuff I'm complaining about really has to do with you know people are trying to build applications, and so these things that I'm saying all these parts are you know tend to be the modules they're building the the software out of, and that's that's difficult. Um, I wrote a piece a few years ago in which I wrote about like the the magic of the web was that it was supposed to be for documents, and then mm -hmm. people realized they could build apps on it. But because the documents had already established trust, like you weren't going to get anything too heinous off the web, um, that, you know, the apps could actually happen. And, you know, documents really paved the way for this. At the time, I was really excited that, you know, documents still seem to be holding up really well as a structure for building these things. Um, clearly, in the last few years, there are a lot of people who think I'm really wrong about that. Um, they like the trust part, but they don't ever want to think in documents. Um, I think programmers prefer to think in like code modules and things that do something rather than are something. Um, it's a tension that's everywhere. I mean, when I was in XML stuff, this was like even more pronounced because like people wanted to make API calls, not exchange XML documents. What's with these stupid documents? Um, it's it's basically a recurring conversation. This particular iteration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's become more and more of a thing because more people think of the web as just an application distribution network, um, which it's great at, but um, it kind of comes with its own its own ideas. The other thing that's funny is that like for the most part, when I publish something that's really document based, um, like I'm doing a, a woodworking site right now in my slow spare time. And I'm just adding stuff to it. I don't care about versioning. I'm just adding content to it. I can change the fonts up. I can do whatever I want. Um, 
it has all of that document magic that lets me not worry about these things. It's a different set of concerns. Right. So I definitely don't think documents are dead. I think they're a lot more fun to work with. Um, I, I can see why the by the application people are getting a little bit uh, irritable, though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know that's the one thing about we love about the web is because you just if you have something to say, you just publish a document or documents and right done. You know, like you don't have to worry about anything else. But uh, if you're if you're an app builder, and I think the guy I, I remember his name. I forgot, I don't have it with me, but because uh, I just mm -hmm. wasn't planning on talking about it, but uh, but yeah, his his one of his points was talking about uh, if you want a job uh, in the future, like no one really cares how you name your CSS, you know, your BM or whatever BMs, right? You know, like they just care if you can actually like, build an app and and uh, make it modular. That's and small, so. that's sort of true, and it's sort of deadly too. Like mm -hmm. I think all of those opinions are great if you're actually building new applications, and it's fine. Just go ahead and build it. The the death comes in when you have to maintain it. Right. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the old CSS wisdom comes from. Is it wasn't just that we had to build these things. It was that you know the client would call every week and say, "I want this change. I want this change. Could you add this thing?" Yeah. 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 And then um, and then uh, Tontech had this great mini blog post, which I thought was uh, really profound, but fell on deaf ears. I think a lot. Um, uh, and Tontech is a Tontech uh, is a uh, evangelist for Mozilla, I believe now. And uh, so he he was talking about how like if your app requires JavaScript and period to run, then uh, it it's history because uh, one people you know the JavaScript turnoff can't use it, but it's dead to history. You know because right. no one no one will be able to archive it. No one will see it. No right. one. It's it's you know we're building a quicksand. Well, the big boundary case used to be that Google just wouldn't do JavaScript when it was doing the search engines. So I could. Like I actually put a talk into a into a, I think it was OSCON about SEO, mm -hmm. which was like a serious countercultural programming kind of thing, um, but if you couldn't see it, it wasn't there on Google, and then you know Google has allowed sort of enough JavaScript into its its realm that a lot of those concerns have uh, have faded and sort of by by removing that one barrier, mm -hmm. um, the people who always wanted it to be all JavaScript all the time can do it. Um, I mean, culturally, I think some of this comes from Flash. Um, that was just the you, Flash stuff was programs, and that was that was normal. You might build it with tools, but underneath it was a program. Um, some of it comes from like JavaScript becoming a legit programming language, which meant that people who were used to doing programming and not web stuff came to the web, and that totally makes sense. But they brought a different set of expectations. So I don't I don't think we're anywhere near done with this conversation. Um, I suspect that in my own personal work, I'm going to pretty much stick to the document side of life. I've, I've built, I've built apps and they're, they're fun to do, but, um, wow, the document side of life has so much less need for aspirin. It's hard to express. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I can see, I can definitely see where that's going, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a little bit, uh, short sighted. They have like really strong points for, you know, app modules in the, you know, with responsible design and, Design systems, you know, things are definitely going modular and component-based, and I can totally see that. And especially with SVG being not an image format, but a document format, mm -hmm. you know, so I definitely see there's a lot more going and more, more, a lot more flexibility if SVG was easier to rock for the lame person, <laughs> for the, yeah. the common designer. But uh, it is more is, fun than Canvas. I'll say that for the lame uh, person. Canvas. 
like I lost, I gave a talk about HTML5 and, and uh, people just walked out when I, and I kind of dissed them for accessibility in Canvas. <laughs> so they're yes. like, oh, how accessibility is your game? Uh, walked out. So right. uh, uh, that was not fun. But, uh, but yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of jobs, next story. Number four. Is, uh, that we found is that Amazon is looking to bring shopping to VR, and this was a story that that hit today. But uh, but the job posting has actually been pulled after I guess TechCrunch oh. blasted it, <laughs> and okay. uh, and so uh, but essentially it was a job posting. And I had a couple of choice quotes from from the job posting, but the one that uh, that made the that made the news was that it was quote uh, you'll be in charge of uh, quote building Amazon's VR shopping experience mm-hmm. for use by millions of customers. On a wide variety of VR devices, end quote. And so that was, um, and I would just say right up front that I am not a big fan of VR. So I'm a big bias because I, I just don't feel, I feel like VR comes, has come a long way. You know, I tinkered with it at South by Southwest. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of the booths and stuff, but I just like, for me to just slap my iPhone on my, or my like Samsung phone on my face and uh, start playing around with, uh, Handles, controllers, just that's not for me. <laughs> just, well, I, yeah, I mean, for me, I have I have some queasiness problems, especially with the cardboard. And I did I did try out some of the better stuff, and I was fine. Yeah, um, I was a little nervous about what looked like nothing below my feet, but you know that was just there to test me, right? Right. <laughs> the the shopping thing is interesting because, I mean, I think about the amount of time I spend on Amazon and the ways that I use it. Yeah. Um. Like. Actually, I wasn't on Amazon today. I was on a different site. But I was, you know, doing the classic click and zoom on an image to see closer up what's what's there. Um, I've certainly rotated objects in space on on different shopping platforms. Um, I think in terms of like helping us understand what objects are going to come to us, like these things are really useful. I'm not sure it actually has to go all the way to VR to to do that. The thing that I was wondering as I looked at this is. You know, I've always thought of Amazon, well, as a collection of documents, you know, it's it's not a mall, it's a bunch of pages about stuff. And I'm kind of wondering if with VR, they're thinking of, you know, creating some kind of navigable space that feels like a place rather than something you're reading. Right. Um, you know, I could, it's not hard for me to imagine like a, a page with like reviewers who tell you what they think about it. No, I want to hear a cr- more critical review. Oh, well, I think this thing sucks. Um, no, give me back the positive reviews. Well, this is the finest thing I've ever encountered. Um, you know, I, and I think there are people who would like that. And I think you could probably make something that was, that was interesting. I'm not sure you could make it so good that everybody would want to go out and buy a VR headset and like right. sit around in goggles at their laptop. Um, you know, I, I I also think we haven't finished with 3D just on a single pane of glass without trying to do the stereoscopic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a whole lot of stuff that people could do that would be easier than the goggles. Right. Um, but the way it interacts with shopping could be could be really intriguing. Um, right. I tend well, to be most people complain that people use Amazon. People go to stores to shop and see the object, and then they go to Amazon and order it there. I tend to go the opposite way. I tend to use Amazon for reviews and then try to find things locally. And, you know, if they really could make the VR thing work or at least some kind of simpler thing, then, you know, that would probably 
well, it would draw everybody more towards them, I guess. But yes, yeah. it would change that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like Amazon just for the fact that uh, if I need to buy something new, like that breaks every few years, and like mm-hmm. I can just go to my search history and find out what I bought three years ago. And uh, interesting, so, that's and, why they're always trying to sell me the product I just bought when yeah. their ads follow me around. Yeah, so I was yeah. Like, oh. but that's always good. But yeah, I always like we, we I talked to someone who I don't think she owns the shop, but she she manages the shop, and she she's a lot of. A lot of people who do the Amazon thing where they like look for stuff on and then they try mm-hmm. to find out on Amazon. And so they've actually gotten to the point where they stop labeling <laughs> their their products and they label things kind of differently than mm-hmm. like so it's like a, if it's a color red, they would just call it like something color different. Right. So like you can't like color, I don't know, fire engine red or something like fire engine or something like that. So you can't really just Google it right away. So um but yeah, so like, I definitely see that out there. But uh like I said, I think I've, I've bored people to tears about this who, who, uh, who listened to me talk about VR, but uh, I really want Star Wars holograms. That would be a lot better. Yeah, I can see, like, you have a hologram projector in your, in your house, and then you just, like, then you have Amazon, like, come back and, like, you just swipe uh, between item products, and that, that we can just see the right. see the size of it if you want to, you know, you can scale it, you know, well, big the, or small, and, you know. The other direction I was wondering about this, and this would probably be kind of really extremely predatory for Amazon, but um, the the other side of the story that I find more interesting usually is the augmented reality stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the Pokemon Go is obviously one part of it, but when you're overlaying information on the world, yeah. and for Amazon, and there are apps that totally do this, but um, you, know, you can scan a UPC code with your phone and get prices on it, that kind of thing. Right. But if you were like walking through Best Buy with glasses that had, you know, this little bit of AR stuff in it from Amazon, and every time you looked at the label, it was going through and decoding whatever Best Buy had tried to obscure and, and telling you what it was at Amazon. Right. Yeah, that's really a product there. I shouldn't give them ideas. Anyway, yes. Well, like you have the Snapchat glasses, right? Which are Yes. And then you just put make them Amazon glasses and then, and then all they're doing is one job, right? Instead of Google Glass, which is trying to do everything. Which I tried to do everything, yeah. Yeah, so that'd be pretty good. So like, but then of course, then you walk into a store with your Amazon well, glasses. So that's the thing is that, well, the Snapchat glasses are still pretty intrusive, but they, that's changing slowly. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it definitely like if you want to. The Amazon VR thing is like a great like project anything you want for the future of shopping kind of story. Yeah. Um, What's it gonna look like, man? <laughs> so, and I, I, I didn't think they were serious when they had the drone thing a few years ago. I thought it was totally a joke, and yeah. it seems to be more than a joke anyway. So, I, yeah. <laughs> well, that, it's like that last mile, like it's like of like you know internet, that yes. last like thing. So if they could just solve that, you know, because if you're if you're in a big city like you know Austin now, right now has Prime now, and and so it's really great, you know time saver like i don't have time to rush to a store or whatever and right. and also like uh, for you know just for the small items it's really great so i find that really awesome and it's going to be terrible oh uh, what's the pizza hut you know figures that out so delivering pizzas you know, by air so and uh, that's gonna be terrible for all the drivers out there so pizzas crashing through your window perfect <laughs> it's like yeah that's exactly <laughs> no wonder they have so many programmers for that project for amazon i'm like oh my gosh it's hard yeah it's like oh man that'd be so much a fun project <laughs> just like we're, we're on the pizza hut uh, drone program uh, i would love that okay uh next story number three 
uh, which could be feature a Pizza Hut drone commercial. I think is, it could. Is the uh, Super Bowl added prices are now? I think it's actually five point five million was the last time I checked. Yeah. Uh, so so when the Super Bowl is coming down, who, who who's your team? Who you're rooting for? I'm always cheering for the Buffalo Bills. That just doesn't work very well. <laughs> that, that has not happened this year, my friend. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, they could pull an upset somehow. <laughs> well, if they didn't when they were in the Super Bowl, how are they going to do it when they're not? I don't know. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're probably going to get the I'm, same number of Super Bowl wins. I'm but. still recovering from the 1990s. But anyway, oh, um, I mean, I yeah, the Super Bowl is the one football game that I see regularly. We have a friend who has a party, and mm-hmm. it's you know completely worth seeing it. Yeah. Um, my kid, I mean, honestly, when we go out, my kids get sports when we go out to eat pizza because they right. always have ESPN on and it's always something different. Right. Um, so not having regular TV in the house just means my kids aren't exposed to enough sports. Yeah. So clearly I'm willing to pay, you know, for them. I'm, I'm willing, I'm not willing to pay for the party. We're bringing dessert. That's different. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to expose them to all that incredibly luscious advertising for the sake of their sports educations. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I remember I was I, I grew up in Corning, New York. It was a really exciting thing at one point when Corning bought an ad. And actually, now I'm thinking it was the mash finale that I'm thinking of and not the Super Bowl. But oh, wow. But uh, yeah, it was also the one of the most watched TV shows of all time. Yes, it was for a sunglasses brand that went nowhere. But, okay. you know, these things happen. A lot of Super Bowl ads don't really lead anywhere. No. I there are so few times when so many people are actually watching the same thing at this point. Right. That those become like rare and magical. Right. Um, the part that I don't really understand is how that connects to the rest of the advertising ecosystem. I mean, partly it's like, it's the Oscars of advertising because everybody spent so much stuff. They're sending their best. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, it is. It's like sports is becoming the only thing that uh, TV people, I think TV, uh, you know, companies can actually bill large mm-hmm. amounts of money. It's like, it's, it's guaranteed to bring an audience. Whereas, you know, everyone's now, you know, has delayed viewing with Netflix and HBO now and go or whatever. So it's, it's tough to, you know, there this is something that I, I keep on thinking about is like, what is, you know, TV was a medium where everyone was watching the same thing when you only mm-hmm. had like three channels pretty much right to watch. And now, and before that it was the radio, right. To everyone. Mm-hmm. Your radio and now everyone has a radio in the car or they they like no one watches listens to radio now apparently uh the radio in my the radio in my car broke a year ago yeah it had this stupid security code that i have to get reset it's been a year i haven't gotten it reset i mean Uh, that is the most annoying thing because that's when the uh yeah your battery dies in your car right yeah yeah this is like from the old age when people cared about their car stereo I know, I know. It was so <laughs> awesome reading the Crutchfield catalog. But now it's like, okay, silence. I can live with that. I need it somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's fragmented. And and I, I think you're right. The sports is the one opportunity for for advertisers to reach a not very fragmented audience. Yeah. Um I don't I, I sort of wonder how long the Super Bowl will remain that opportunity, but really nothing else has come up. The fact that it's a single game makes it such a big difference. Yeah. Um the World Series, only it's going to be the World Game. That'll work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. It's like you know, because it's uh, it's in our neighborhood. Someone throws a party, and I look forward to it every year. And yeah. And uh, I do. You know. Yeah. It's. I just don't know what the one thing. The only thing I think of that could be unifying is uh, is uh, the presidential alerts on your smartphone devices. Is that if someone wants to reach you, 
the president of the United States, not the president we reached to Europe or whatever, but uh, but if the president wants to send a emergency text message, it totally can. He totally can right. or she can. And uh, and so that's like the only thing unifying thing that can go out there is like make sure people you get eye, you get eyeballs. Right. And, so, and even then, like I'm trying to remember what share of people watch the Super Bowl. I know it's way higher than any other broadcast mm-hmm. event, but yeah. it's I think it's a like hundred million people around the world, I think. So yeah. so it's uh, so it's pretty pretty massive and so but it can but you also compare like to popular tv shows that are popular now that they would get fired they would get canceled if they had the same ratings uh that oh, they had God, like yeah. 20 years ago right there's because there's no one's watching watching them and so you need something better than nielsen you know needs to take into account you know even like uh my, one of my favorite shows is uh doctor who right from bbc right and mm-hmm. so I know it's not, you know, I love the current doctor, Peter Cabaldi, but he's not bringing in the ratings that the last two doctors have brought so in. Some terrible thing will happen to him soon. Right. Well, like the rumor is that he, this is his last season coming up. So I don't know, but we, that's another podcast, but, okay. uh, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but now the, you know, the, this, it's like, you know, one of the things as an adult fan of Dr. Who now is that, uh, I keep an eye on the ratings because, you know, was a fan in America growing up, you know, it was all PBS. Right. Watching it, and then and then it got canceled somehow. I wasn't you know busy growing up, living life or whatever. And so now I watch it. Like I keep an eye on the ratings because if they slip, right? You know. Well, and, but but now it's like an international phenomenon. So it being canceled. Won't I don't be. think the show will be canceled, but the details can change. It's more like when I was a kid watching sitcoms. I always realized that no matter how terrible things were, yeah. about the twenty minute mark in the hour, they were going to get a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't the end of the show. It was, you know, things were going to keep going somehow. Yeah. Every yeah. now and then part two would happen and that would throw me off. But yeah. Yeah. Minute 50, something would have to happen. Yeah. To wrap things up in a bow. So, but yeah, but yeah. So, but since then, I, I don't really see uh, a big unifying experience uh, other than Super Bowl. No, So I don't know. no. And certainly not at that sort of national or international level. Right. I mean, um, like, with actually, that, yeah, uh, there are, there are things there are things outside the U.S. I'm thinking like Eurovision, drives, oh, yeah, Eurovision like yeah, that kind of massive crowd. Um, I think you know, kind of every country has something, mm-hmm. um, but there used to be a lot more of these things. Yeah, yeah. So a lot more or less. So, so I don't know. But also, uh, without Super Bowl, we would not have uh, Left Shark at all. So that's, no, we need Left Shark. We need Left Shark, and so that's pretty important. So it's and it's, it's and also another another an- angle of it is. You know, five point five million dollars. That doesn't include the millions of dollars that will go into a TV spot making it production is production of it, and then and they're all gambling for a viral video, right? Yes. All, like it's like you can't you can't make a viral video. You can attempt to make a viral video, right? And, and so they're all gambling, which is awesome. Like if someone pays you to be here's a million dollars, please gamble uh, and make me a viral video. That'd be awesome. But uh, but yeah, and like it turned out to be like this backup dancer. On right. Time show was the big hit. So and that was like two Super Bowls ago too, right? That was yes. not even like like we're still talking about Love Shark. I was at the same party I was planning to be at next time, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah, awesome. Okay, uh next next story is uh number two. The new iOS. Actually, this is not the story about the iOS uh new update that's coming out. This uh, is it's just actually the earbuds. It's just about the earbuds, right? Because uh, Apple has the AirPods now, I think they're called AirPods. Yes. And they're the Bluetooth to connect to your uh, iOS device, which no longer has an audio port, by the way. So we need to do like a, probably a, a funeral for your audio jack technology. 
after a hundred oh, years. I don't know how I'm long. Currently, I'm talking to you over audio jack technology, <laughs> but that's all right. Well, you should just burn it to the ground, man. That's, no, <laughs> it's, no. It's, it's no longer useful. It's all Bluetooth now. Man. My phone is also Android and still has a jack, so yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I just I don't understand. Um, you know, this like this could turn to an Apple rant. You know, like Apple doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, you definitely talk to uh, the recent uh, design choices where like they have a battery powered mouse that right. uh, you can't use while it's charging. The uh, Apple yes. Pencil, which is the Apple Pencil, which itself is just a phenomenal tool. I have one. I love it mm -hmm. right here. And I had to go buy a doodad or doodad. Right. Cap doesn't get lost. Ah. Like, I wish I had, you know, caps get lost. You know, you know, when, you know, Steve Jobs complained about stylus when the iPhone right. was announced. He's like, Where's no one wants a stylus. They, they get lost. Woo. So like, okay, here's a pencil, very expensive pencil tool. You're, you're going to lose the cap. <laughs> so, so we decided at Apple to design it so we don't lose the cap. Well, they could make it no. so the cap is a Bluetooth headphone that goes in your ear, and that way you don't lose it. It's always yeah, on awesome. the stylus, or well, your yeah. stylus would get kind of icky. But you know. yeah, it would. Yeah, you know. but uh, but then you charge this up, and you charge it with your iPad, right? And they charge your iPad, and your your iPad looks like you know an <laughs> iPad, iPad on a stick. You know, just, <laughs> just really stupid. So you point to like Apple, like not. I don't think Apple's like eating their dog food when it comes to their devices. In terms of like when they build them, they don't really live with them. Yeah, and I, that's, I don't think. I will confess a, that my current devices that I've bought by choice are from HP and Samsung. So, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. HP is doing more interesting things with computers. Okay, Samsung's not doing all that much like exciting and new. Uh, yeah. But although I, I like this little wireless charging pad, it, that, that's been a nice. Yeah, I think that's where, that's where things are going to go because that's so much nicer. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I, it's its not that I like dislike Apple. I have a Mac sitting on my desk I use for work. I totally live in that ecosystem too. It's its fine. I just, um, yeah, the courage. I think that's the problem. It's too much courage. <laughs> too much courage. So, and then, uh, yeah, because I think, you know, people are now trained to look for USB ports, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's just, that's just bad. That's just bad habit. Mankind was not built for looking for USB ports. That's just my. <laughs> that's just my. Well, we definitely weren't built for putting plugging them in. But <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Even the ones that only go in one direction, I'm good at messing with, but it's okay. Yeah. And like, that's all another rant, but uh, but yeah, but, but the new iOS that's that's under um, as you write, it's just under like developer re release right now is the main feature is that it's. Uh, when you lose your your AirPods, which are small little doodads that mm -hmm. go in your ear, and I'm not talking like Star Trek Two, or the Con, where they uh, go up your nose or like whatever. So, uh, but uh, we don't need nose pods, please. No nose, nose pods. pods, but uh, but yeah. So there's little little things that you lose them. It'll actually it's like you know you find your iPhone app, <laughs> they'll actually go and find your find your AirPods pods that you lost. So. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it is actually kind of hard for the developers to come up with like what's going to be new this this time. Um, mm -hmm. I think they frequently come up with bad ideas, but there's this huge pressure on them to be new. Um, and I think Apple kind of boxed themselves in because everybody expects something, some big reveal every time. And, you know, the world doesn't have to be that way, but once you've got everybody expecting it, it's hard to step back. So, yeah, I mean, like they're making one of the major commercials for the iPhone is uh, it's being waterproof now. It's like more waterproof than before. So, right. Right. So, which is like about time, I don't know, but uh, well, it's part of why I bought the Samsung. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, but yeah, I just feel like it's uh, 
uh, man, I don't know. Anyone can write in and let us know how they, how they like their, their, their AirPods and let me know if they, it's pretty yeah. good, but I, I just haven't, I, I've actually bought a, uh, a $5 thing from banggood.com, which is actually a real store, by the way, banggood.com. Okay. And so this is just a little right. thing that like plugs into your, uh, lightning, lightning port in your phone and then Gives has the audio phone. jack. I just, I can play about audio jack, but I just, you know, still have, well, like, I, I, I have like, I'd like a, a dozen earpods, you know, ear, earbuds, whatever, right. around and they all suddenly became useless as soon as I bought my new iPhone. Right. It could be worse. I mean, I just bought a manual typewriter. So, you know, <laughs> it was $8. The ribbons cost me $10. It's fine. Right. But, well, if, you know, the, it doesn't have an audio jack either. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like the worst thing. It's like the worst iPhone I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just makes clocking noises. What is this thing doing? I think it doesn't send a text. Every time I write a sentence, it dings and I answer it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Who's there? Hello. Like, oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> for next, uh, our next story. Number one. The fastest growing skills for last quarter, which, uh, what, what do you think the less? The top, um, the top so the, skills. The list is pretty good in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I'm actually after our last conversation, I'm really happy to see user experience design on here because that's kind of what we've been talking about for yeah. lots of these things. Um, you know, it's kind of heavy. It starts with natural language processing. Uh, machine learning is in here. I think the AI story is really hot right now. I'm not as sure that it's actually delivering right now, but I guess you have to hire people to make things deliver. Um, <coughs> I see. Swift is something that surprised me. Like mm -hmm. Apple, after all these years of making people, including me, suffer with Objective C, finally like came up with a language that was better. And I'm still trying to decide if people love Swift because it's Swift or because it's not Objective C. So um, that's a hard question. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see social stuff here. I see uh, some sort of cloud stuff here. Um, I see AngularJS made the top 10, which surprises me a little bit because yeah. the kind of the version numbering thing, the version one to version two jump was a big deal. And um, I don't know. Part of what I'm trying to figure out right now is did the brand survive the, the version change? That's kind of a fun, fun question. But for last year, definitely it still sticks. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would probably have broken this down in like a couple of different categories because like Tableau and R go together and machine learning goes with the natural language processing. The people don't always, aren't always the same people, but like everyone's trying to solve the same thing. The one that kind of puzzles me is very at the very end, the Zendesk customer support. Yeah. Is there, I mean, Zendesk is important, but whoa, like it makes the list. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, it's customer support is going to be very hard. It's a very hard thing to, to manage, especially when customer supports you know is across the phone, uh, Twitter, social media, and mm -hmm. email. So it's very tough. To, to, I don't think that you know Zendesk or Zendesk competitors also handle that very well. But but I'm surprised mm -hmm. that Zendesk itself made the list. So and not like uh, I kind of worry that if they made the list for customer support, that there's something else wrong, but. Hmm. Maybe their customer support people just tell everyone how wonderful the world is because it is and life is good. But yeah, I mean, some of these things also tie in. Like the 3D rendering totally ties into the VR stuff we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little surprised information security is only at 15. Mm -hmm. um, based on the conversations I've had in the last few months, I'm 
kind of like expecting that to become number one really quickly, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, and we didn't talk about this story today, but uh, it was on our list. Uh, they make the cut, but the Amazon uh, Web Services mm-hmm. uh, is up there, like more four. And so that was uh, uh, the story that we had was uh, was it uh, what Google is uh, needs to make some inroads in like into other services. So instead of just yeah. selling ads, they need to make an uh, upgrade and to get yeah. it profitable elsewhere. And, and the article was about trying to. Uh, Compete with Amazon on that on that on that way, and then and of course Microsoft has their own cloud right. services, but they have their own clientele with offices they can easily tap into and you know extend and embrace their uh, their clientele. I don't I don't feel bad for Google very often, but this is really <laughs> like a space that seems like it should have been theirs, and somehow mm-hmm. it it got away. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I like the story of Amazon having all this excess capacity because of the Christmas rush and needing to do something with it and, and the whole way they architected that. But I mean, Google really was the one who made this work in the first place, but they didn't really present it in ways that were fun to work with. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure they have great things going. I, you know, they're, they're always developing new and cool things, but whether, Microsoft and Amazon are catchable at this point. And it would be really kind of weird to me if like the center of cloud computing turned out not to be Silicon Valley, but Seattle, just like geographically that that's fun. But um, yeah, just different. Yeah. Uh, cool. I know that's everything cool. should be in Austin, but you know. <laughs> should it be? I don't know. Uh, please don't come to Austin. No, but uh, yeah. We t- oh man. I don't want to talk about Austin. Anyway. That's fine. We'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, please go to other towns. <laughs> so uh, it's it's beautiful here, but, uh, yes. but yeah. So it's uh, yeah. I'm not sure I should talk about Austin. That's okay. But uh, yeah, I was just talking to someone last night who uh, had a friend fly, fly in uh, for work, and so we we met for dinner, and so long time friend, and so we just talked about how like Austin has changed uh, even since I've been here, which is hasn't been that long, but uh, but a lot of the uh, the cool things that kept Austin weird are no longer here because of the, uh, which I'm going to talk about Austin anyway, but uh, is that the, you know, the people who were weird creative types right. living in like our, the our Austin East side, you know, can't afford to live there anymore. Right. And right. can't afford to live in Austin anymore. And so they actually moved out to other cities, not, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, so it's, well, it's, so now we have like condos flying up everywhere. There's, I think I, 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 you know, think about Twitter bots. I always thought about having a bot that would uh, every day tell you how many construction cranes there were in downtown Austin. Yes. And so it was like 12 at one point. Yeah. The first yeah. time I went was like in 2001. So I've had kind of a good 15 years to see like most of the area around downtown and the convention center really transform. But yeah, that's yeah. It's like you're walking is like, Oh, here, there's, this was an empty dirt lot. Now it's a hotel. Yes, I was actually happy the last time I was there to still see some empty dirt lots. Yeah. That was that was reassuring. Yeah. But, yeah. but and then uh, and then now it's you know not coming south by southwest is, uh, you know I don't now somehow we talk about Austin now we're in southwest. Right. Southwest. Well, that's okay. Actually, there's a there's a question with this Upwork Skills Index that that's intriguing to me. Like they're they're kind of looking at freelancers and like really kind of remote distribution. I think because yeah. of the the model. And I'm curious, like, how different this is from, like, a similar list that was really focused on, say, Silicon Valley or Seattle or New York or Austin. Um, yeah. I, my bet is that these things are a lot more different than we think they are. Um, 
So I guess we'll see what happens in the next few years with like what kinds of jobs actually work where. Right. I would say like also like the Bluetooth. We talked about the ear, the AirPods though. Like yeah, Bluetooth make it crack the top twenty with uh, I think just because of the iPhone uh, not having an audio jack it makes it more. Uh, it probably does. It and Bluetooth. It, it, Bluetooth is an intriguing specialty corner of the networking universe. I mean, I know a lot of people who hate the details and but make a lot of money at it. So uh, it's it's one of those things that's awkward, but again, like really productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Well, cool. awesome. Well, I think that wraps up Great. this week's episode. So thank you so much, Simon, for being here and talking about this week's tech stories. How can yeah. people find you on the internet? Um, easily found on Twitter at S-I-M-O-N-S-T-L. Um, that's my name practically every place. Um, so and S-I-M-O-N-S-T-L dot com will bring you to my aging, decrepit website that <laughs> desperately needs a reboot. So more to come. Oh, awesome. And I'm uh, Teleject on Twitter. So T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. Awesome. All right. Until next week. Mm-hmm.